This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hagistilianos. As a teaching pastor for more than 35 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. What a mighty God we serve because with our God nothing is impossible. This is a truth that no faith-filled, spirit-filled Christian can deny. Didn't Jesus himself tell us that with faith as small as a mustard seed, we could do greater miracles than even he did? Shouldn't we all be miracle workers doing the impossible? Yet, because we live in a world surrounded by uncertainty, confusion, doubt, and disappointment, too many of God's children compromised and ignoring God's promise that with Him all things are possible, are convinced that their hopes, dreams, and ambitions are more impossible than possible. In his series, We Are All Called to Do Mighty Things, Pastor Ray shares amazing godly truths that will flip on that switch of faith. Confidence overcoming doubt, success replacing failure, and hope overpowering compromise. Pastor's formula for doing the impossible? Simply start where you are, use what you have, do as much as you can, and let God do the rest. I was just seeking God about the next message, and God planted this in me, and I, um, you know, I started to um, study and word up on what I want to share with you this morning. The title of this and the theme resounding in this particular message today, and let, let, me, let me preface first, let me kind of say this first because I think it's important. We live in such a hopeless world, unfortunately, and there's so much, um, you know, I, I decided I was going to go on a fast, um, but whenever I try to fast food, I mean, I'm already living pretty much a fasted life as far as food's concerned. So there's really nothing left for me to fast unless I fast my broccoli or, you know, and, or my carrots or something. So I didn't know what I could quite fast. Um, so I decided to fast the news for a while. <laughs> so just... Uh, Turn on the radio, and um, not that I, don't, I believe we should be informed, but uh, my point is, is that we live in such a, a hopeless situation, uh, world, and we see hopeless situations all around us, that if we're not careful, this stuff is going to get on us on believers, and uh, we're, we're called to something much greater and, and much more um, positive than that. So the word that I want to share with you today, and we'll, we'll read a couple of verses of scripture, is basically this, and you can write this down and listen to it. The impossible becomes possible when you do the possible. In other words, many of us here may be faced with an impossible situation or something that's seemingly impossible, something that seems like insurmountable. Or that we would never be able to overcome it or break through it or get, get through it. Um, or get to a better place. Or acquire something that we're trying to acquire. Uh, maybe build a business. Maybe buy a house. Maybe, you know, do some other thing in our life. And we look at it like it's an impossible situation. 
Well, I'm here to tell you that the Word of God teaches this principle that the impossible will become possible for you when you do the possible. In other words, you do what's possible, what you can do, and God will then do what He does. And He will do what you can't do. So the impossible becomes possible only when I initiate the process by doing what I can do on my side. See, often what happens is that people get very, very frustrated when they dream and believe God and trying to, you know, get to a better place and trying to acquire things and broaden their lives and so on and so forth. They get very frustrated because what happens is that it looks like an impossibility. Like, how am I ever going to get there? How is that ever going to happen? And we start doubting ourselves and we doubt the very things that we know God has put in our heart to accomplish and to achieve in our lives. And what happens is that we get so doubtful about it that most of the time we we remain inactive and we don't do anything. Because we're, see, a lot of us are waiting for God to do something. Did you hear what I said? A lot of us are waiting for God to do something. But really, technically, folks, God is waiting for you to do something. And, and, And if you'll act first, God will then act and do the things that you can't do. You do your part and God then will do his part. But until you act, God's not going to do anything. That's called faith. Faith must must go out first before you'll get a response back from God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everyone who comes to him must know that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we're going to see the, anybody have an impossible situation going on in their life that seems impossible? Anybody here? Am I, am I talking to only myself or has anyone ever had an impossible situation? Does anyone think there might ever be an impossible situation? Uh, are you living today? Are you breathing? Are you just the cutout that's sitting there? Give me some response. The impossible, everybody has impossible situations that come their way, but the impossible becomes possible when you do the possible. Now, I want you to open up to Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. I'm going to read a portion of Scripture, and we're going to go over after that to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. But let's, let's read chapter 9 first. And verse 14 starts right here. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when he saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one, of the, one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. In other words, they tried, but they could not. And he answered him and he said, O oh, faithless generation. Notice he didn't say, well, good try, guys, move aside, let me show you how this is done. The very first thing he did is he called them a a faithless generation. So obviously there was some lack that was going on here. We later find out that he he teaches us that the reason why it didn't come out, because this kind needed a little bit extra work. It needed some prayer and fasting attached to it, because this was a strong case. Sometimes... You know, the stronger cases in our life, we need to apply a little prayer, extra prayer and extra fasting to see the breakthrough. Can I get a better amen than that? So he says, you faithless generation. Now, you know, everybody's got this impression of Jesus being this real, you know, wimpy kind of guy walking around with his long blonde hair, you know, and and being so cutesy. Notice the response that Jesus gave. He said, you faithless generation. I mean, that was a rough 
rebuff. That was not easy. If I had said that to, to some of you, you'd probably leave the church. If you tried to do something, I said, you faithless thing. You'd say, that's, that's terrible, Pastor Ray. You should, you're, not, you're, not, you're not rightly representing Jesus. I sure am. He said, you faithless generation. He called it just like it was, but I guess I'm nicer than Jesus. I don't know, but... He said, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this, uh, has, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now listen to what he says here. The father says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus responds and says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So the father comes and says, if you can help us, have, com have compassion on us and do something. And Jesus looks at him and says, what? If I can do anything? All things are possible to one who believes. It points back to the fact that he's called them a bunch of faithless or a faithless generation because what he's trying to teach here is that by faith and through your faith and with your faith, you can see the impossible become possible in your life. He said, you ask me now, I want to read this verse out of the Amplified Bible because I think that this is so powerful. You don't have an Amplified Bible, you ought to have an Amplified Bible. And this is how the Amplified Bible says it. The father says to him, remember, says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This is how the Amplified uh, reports or translates Jesus's response. And Jesus said, you say to me, if you can do anything, why? All things are, can be, are possible to him who believes. In other words, you say to me, you say to me, what can I do if I can do anything? Why do you say that? All things are possible to one who believes. Notice he said all things. Everybody say all things. all things. He didn't say some things. He didn't say a few things. He didn't say only those things that pertain to spiritual things. He said all things are possible to those who believe. So that would lead me to believe that God expects us to be impossible breaking impossible doing people. We do the impossible. We make impossible things become possible. If someone might look at it that doesn't have faith in God, trust in the living God, and say, oh, it's impossible, it's never going to happen. But we as believers, if we are truly living the way Jesus wants us to live, we know, we have it buried in our heart that all things are possible to him who believes. So it may be impossible for that person, but it's not going to be impossible in my life. All things are possible when you do the possible. You do what you can and God will do what he does. Can I get a better amen right there? Now watch. So he said to me, ask the father, he said, how long has this been happening? I'm sorry, we read that already. Verse 23 said, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people running, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Verse 29 said, This kind, because the disciples asked him, he said, This kind comes out only with prayer and fasting. But I want to focus in on that, 
verse 23 again. He said, you say to me if I can, and I say to you, if you can, all things are possible to one who believes. So there may be a dream, there may be a vision, there may be a desire in your heart that has become a a real struggle for you this morning. And you're looking at it like it's an impossible situation. Maybe you have some other situation in your life that seems totally impossible. How is this ever going to happen? How is it ever going to come to be? I'm here to tell you this morning that all you need to do is to switch the flip Flip the switch of unbelief to on to faith. When you flip that switch of faith on, I'm going to tell you, all things become possible to you. There should be nothing in our lives that we, we, we look at and say, it's an impossibility. It's never going to happen. God's worked in my life in so many ways, things that seem to be insurmountable, impossible, never going to happen in the natural. As you submit those things to God and trust in the living God and look to Him uh, in faith, the impossible, and do what you can do with what you got, the impossible becomes very, very possible to you. Can I get a better amen to that? All right. So I want to go over to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, just go back a couple of pages, and I want to read um, another story and talk about this for a minute. And verse 31 says, And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and they ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together with him. So there had been a crowd of people that they'd been ministering to, and they're trying to get away from these people, and Jesus told them to go away and rest, but in, on their way to go get some rest, the multitude saw where they were going and followed them to the place that they were going to rest. I mean, talk about trying to get away on vacation. That happens to me sometimes. I go away on vacation. I get text after text, call after call. I can't hide no matter where I go. The worst thing in the world is I go somewhere I think nobody would ever know me in the world. Here are my shorts, my T-shirt, my hair's a mess and I haven't shaved in two days. Right, I look like a beatnik and I'm walking around and all of a sudden, hey, Pastor Ray. I'm like, dear Jesus, hi, how you doing? You want to get together for a Bible study? No. I have my aunt here and I'm trying to get her saved. Can you minister to her? No. I want to be left alone. I'm on vacation. But notice Jesus's response. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw the great multitude and didn't turn them away, but rather was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now, when the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is is already the hour is late. So they had apparently been teaching for hours and people were just sitting there listening. I mean, it would be a glorious day in the church if we had people chasing us down to teach them the Word of God. We've got to hunt you down. We've got to send texts, emails, reminders, flyers, postcards, invitations. We've got to practically come to your house and drag you out of the house to get you to go to church. But these people were so, uh, so excited about hearing the Word of God that they chased down the disciples. And they had sat there all day long listening to Jesus teach the Word and impart to them. So the disciples come to them at the end of the day and they said, it's already late, Master. These people are hungry. Their stomachs are growling. They're starting to complain. And you know how grouchy people get when they get hungry. None of you ever get hungry, uh, get grouchy when you're hungry. But you know how grouchy people can get when they get hungry. 
And I'm sure they started, you know, getting irritable because they're hot. And, and, he, and he says, well, what are we going to do about it? So this is, the, this is the disciples' response when they bring this challenge to Jesus. Verse 36, they said, send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. So the disciples' answer was, let them go fend for themselves, let them go find their own way to, to, to feed their faces um, because we don't want to be bothered with this. It's, it's too big a crowd. Now we know as we read this story that there were apparently 5,000 men, but there's no account of how many women and children were also present. So they recorded that 5,000 men were there these disciples are looking at each other like, you know, the only answer to this is let them go take care of themselves. We can't meet this need because this is a big need and we're only a few people. We don't have anything. Notice what Jesus says in verse 37. And Jesus answered and said to him, you, to them, you give them something to eat. And the disciples turn around and say, say to them, say to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, the interesting thing is that 200 uh, denarii worth of bread was apparently like six months of their salaries combined in order to meet the need. And I, can I just give you the Pastor Ray version on this? All right. Jesus, have you flipped your wig? <laughs> There's 10, 15,000 people here. You want us to give them something? We don't have anything. And, you know, that's how a lot of us look at our circumstances and our situations when we're faced with a, a challenge or, or we have a desire to get to a better place or we're looking for something. We look, immediately we look at what we don't have. We look at, at immediately of, of our deficits and we look immediately at, at our struggles and, and their answer to him is, well, we don't have anything. And really what Jesus is trying to do here is he's trying to get them to flip the switch on faith in their lives so that they would start to see that when you do something, when you bring something to God and you do something with it, uh, that God's going to blow his anointing upon that something you do, and that something will become a whole lot more than what you start with. So, so he says here, you give them something to eat, and they say, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and, uh, and give them something to eat? So Jesus' next answer to them, and this is what I want you to focus in on. He said to them, how many, how many loaves do you have Go and see. In other words, what do you have? Stop looking at what you don't have in your life. Stop focusing in on the deficits. Stop focusing in on the challenge. Stop looking at the mountain, scratching your head saying, how are we going to get over this mountain? He said, go find out what you do have. Look at what you've got. Because if you can take what you've got, we can make something out of it. And so they go, and they try to find, they muster up. They're walking through the crowd saying, what do we have here? Give us what you got. And they scrape together five loaves and two small fish. And Jesus, uh, it says about Jesus in the next sentence, that he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So I'm, can, I, can I give you the Pastor Ray version? Say, has Jesus lost his mind, guys? He's going to feed this entire crowd of people with five loaves of bread and two small fish. He sits them down in, in, in small groups and he's, he says, give me what you got. You got five loaves, you got two fish, praise God, we can do something with it. He proceeds to take the five loaves and the two fish and he lifts it up to heaven and he begins to thank God 
for what he has in his hands. He starts to work what he has in his hands by breaking it apart and breaking it apart, handing it to the disciples. He's working, 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 working what he has in his hand. And as long as he's working with what he has, it keeps producing, 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 producing. So much so that the story says that all 5,000, probably 10 or 15,000 with the women and the children were filled to their full. There was so much left over that they filled up 12 basketful of fragments. You see, the bottom line to it, folks, is that you can focus in on what you don't have. But the impossible will only become possible when you stop looking at the impossible and start looking at what you have in your hand. What is it that you have? If you'll take what you have and honor God with it and lift it up and praise the Lord with it, unlock your faith to believe that that God, you see, let me say it this way. You start where you are, you do what you can, you use what you have, and God will do the rest. You'll never, you'll never see the impossible happen in your life until you begin to do something with what you have. Most people are stuck because they keep looking at the impossible situation. That can never happen for me. Oh, I can never get there. Oh, you were, you were lucky. Oh, you had breaks. Oh, somebody opened up a door for you. Oh, you know, no, it doesn't matter if people are with you or not. When you start to work what you have, when you start to use what God has given you and put into your hand. Let me tell you what, the supernatural divine blessing of God will come upon your work and upon your labor. God will open up doors. God will give you divine favor. God will bring the right people across your path at the very right moment to help you. Designed by God's hand, a perfect picture that he will put together piece by piece because you have purpose to work what you have in your hand. I think back to the days when this church first began many, many years ago, almost 30 years ago. And I remember we started, I had a, I had a big vision in my heart. I had, I saw, I, you know, I saw what we, what we have today. I saw 30 years ago, but let me tell you what, one of the most difficult things that you have to be careful about in your life is that sometimes you've got something big going on on the inside of you, but everything around you is shouting small. And I can remember when I first started, we started this church with 12 people and most of them were my family and good friends. And we started in the back room of the Masonic Temple, a dirty, stinky, smelly old room. I used to have to go in there in the, in the morning of, uh, before the, we had our little Bible study and I'd have to clean it and Lysol and mop it and, and dust it down and throw uh, sheets and, and, and um, uh, tablecloths over the, the ugly, there was a refrigerator and a big ugly stove and I tried to drape everything up to try to make it look pretty so people wouldn't be distracted. I wanted them to listen to me not look at the dirty stove and the, and the ugly refrigerator while I was teaching. And, and I cleaned it and, 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 I, and I was in that place and, and I'd be preaching and flies would, because we had no air conditioning, so we had to open the window, no, no screens on the windows. Flies and, and, and moths would just come flying in and flutter right across my face while I'm preaching and teaching mosquitoes buzzing through by my ear while I'm teaching and preaching. And, and I have this, this big vision in my heart, but I'm in a really small place. Tune in tomorrow afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors with Pastor Ray. 
If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. If you missed any of the hundreds of inspiring, life-changing Bible study messages of encouragement taught by Pastor Ray on this More Than Conquerors radio station, such as those on salvation, healing, miracles, faith, forgiveness, and many more, podcast downloads of all these programs are yours free of charge by simply going to PastorRayNY.com or WMCA.com and clicking on Podcasts. That's podcasts at either PastorRayNY.com ny.com or wmca.com thank you for listening to and supporting this ministry of god-centered lessons of integrity and victory from the word of god and being ever mindful that as life's challenges come god's word is truth and will always impact our lives in a positive way in making us more than conquerors